first word that comes to mind is shagging, bonk, rooting, <laughs> procreation, the ins and outs of sex. Okay. Uh, oh, bang. bang. What? Bang. It's called bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, bang. <laughs> again, this is Bang, I'm Melody Thomas and this is our penultimate episode, Fifty Shades of Grey. Over the last five episodes we've heard a bunch of stories about sex and intimacy that turned out to be more complex than what we see in movies and television. The teenage boy desperately seeking better sex ed, a couple of women using social media to get pregnant, couples whose sex lives got better after babies came along. But the stuff we're starting to explore now is, if you'll excuse the pun, a grey area. More often than not, what we hear when it comes to sexual expression and intimacy in your 50s, 60s, 70s and onwards is not much at all. So do people just reach an age where presuming sex once mattered to them it just doesn't anymore? Or are all the baby boomers, maybe even their parents, just going at it in secret and we're too mortified to look any closer? While I was starting to research this episode, I got a message on Facebook that brought me face-to-face with these questions in a really personal way. So as has become a bit of a tradition for Bang, it's time to make another awkward phone call. If there are sensitive ears around, now's the time to distract them. Hey, sweetheart. Hi, Mum. Hi, darling. (laughs) Yep, this is my mum. She's a Kiwi, but she lives in the US, and somehow she's agreed to talk with me and you about her sex life. When you sent this message, I definitely did go, Mom! And I was at work. (gasps) I've kind of come round to it now, but I feel like you're probably going to send me back into that kind of freaked out place. You think? I think maybe. It depends how deep we go go into this, Mum. Oh, okay. Well, just just don't go into size and stuff. (laughs) Let's just... Okay. Okay. No, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. That's cool. I'm not cool. But it's too late to back out now. So this message you sent to me and my sisters out of the blue. Shall I read it? I can't remember what I said. You said, well, I have a little news for you. (laughs) Okay, carry on. You all know it's been a very long time since I was, quote, sexually active. And I've been totally disinterested in it. Well, that kind of changed last week, very unexpectedly. Sure didn't see it coming. Anyway, his name's... This is my favourite part and also one of my sister's favourite parts. He was a southern gent with a nice streak of bad boy. He was. He was adorable. Oh, by the way, 42 years old. I also love how you go on to be like, I'm letting you know this now so that I don't hear any ribbing about age, but we all know that what's actually happening here is a bit of a humble brag. (laughs) Don't tease me about how old he is, but by the way, he's 42 and I'm a cougar. Hashtag cougar. I know. I never thought I'd cougar. Never. In a million years did I ever think I would be a cougar. But I cougared. I absolutely did. Yeah, so tell me a bit about the lead-up. So this, he was part of a group staying at your in your rental? Yes, he was. Yes. It was really quite odd because there was a knock on the door and I opened it and this guy walked in the door and I felt like someone had gut-punched me. It was very um, unexpected, very unusual for me to even notice. Yeah, well, you talked before about, and I would like to say that at the time that you said this, I said maybe you were being a bit too quick to say that, but you've said... 
that you that kind of intimacy was something that you maybe didn't see on the horizon again for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's why it was such a shock for me, I think, Mel. But no, there was absolutely no way I could ignore this guy. No way. And I spent the next virtual three days trying to avoid him as much as I could because I didn't even want to look at him sometimes just in case he saw what I was thinking. Oh, my gosh. Was it, is it like riding a bike, Mum? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. You know that I am not particularly um, body comfortable. And now, you know, I'm in sort of my late 50s and Gravity and I parted company a long time ago. So things start to head south. And so I was very conscious of being older. So I had to tell myself for three days that it was okay. Because I know why it had been so long for you. Do you want to just kind of say, tell me, tell us that yourself? Like why had it been so long for you? I, um, I actually looked up yesterday to sort of see if I could give you a more specific time about how long it may have been. And the last time for me was on my birthday in 2008. And I was married to my husband and he had gotten very sick. He had a number of respiratory and heart problems. And while the heart was still willing, um, things were becoming really difficult for him Mm. as far as intimacy went. And we went to see his pulmonologist one day after a time where we had been intimate and I noticed that his lips were black. So I wanted to make sure with the doctor that it was um, okay because I didn't want to kill him, frankly. Mm. That was my biggest fear. And um, the doctor told me, or told us at the time, that in order for us to be safe during sex, that perhaps what I needed was um, his blood pressure cuff and our stethoscope handy. And if his heart rate went over 120, then we needed to stop and I needed to start doing, you know, things to help him. Oh, my God. And that just scared me. That was probably the end of days for me. You know, the thought of having to try and be intimate with a stethoscope wrapped around your neck, trying to check somebody's heart rate, I mean, that's not really um, conducive to relaxing and loving with your your husband. So, Mm. So for them, you know, it took a long time to get used to not having that physical intimacy. Mm. I worked really, really hard to squash it. But it's only been since my last experience that I've realised that in doing that, I also shut down so many other things that I hadn't really thought about. I didn't see them as being connected at all. Like but what? they were. Um, the way I was relating to other people, um, you shut down your sexual feelings, you also shut down a lot of your emotional, I found, and you work hard to keep things repressed so you don't want anything that's going to kickstart anything again because it's too difficult to deal with. So you just work harder at squishing. Mm. And... Um, yeah, it impacts on so many other areas of your life, even with your kids. You're afraid to, to give it all out. The reason it's been so long and so difficult for my mum is that her husband, my stepdad, passed away a couple of years ago. I mean, even before then, darling, I just, I just had no interest in ever establishing any kind of an intimate relationship again. It was just too hard and it was too painful. Did you, when it came to meeting this, the southern gent... Did you have to deal with any feelings in terms of loyalty or had it been enough time that that wasn't an, so much of an issue? Um, I need to tell you a little story on that. It's really weird. About three weeks ago, I had another group in and there was a gentleman in there that took an obvious shine to me and it was oppressive. It was horrible and 
I spent almost 10 days locked in my room so I wouldn't have to see these people. And they left, and I was sitting at the window looking out at the river, talking to which I do quite often, and sort of saying to him, you know, I don't get this. What's going on? Is this the best anybody can do is to have this kind of person drop into my lap? This is not what I want. And said, okay, you know me. You know me better than anybody, so I'm just going to let all this go. If anyone's going to come into my life, you'll know when I'm ready, and, you know, I'll wait. And two weeks later, I opened up my door, and I said, like, I've been punched in the stomach. So I think he was with me. And I think he's okay. I mean, he's okay. And the good thing for me was that I felt no guilt whatsoever because of the way that this man appeared for mm. me. Do you think part of what worked was that he was leaving? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm not ready for an emotional attachment. I'm just not ready to go there. I still love And I'm not ready to let him go all the way yet. But I think one thing that I've really missed is my cuddles, of just having someone there to, you know, have a smooch with or know that they care. And it was just lovely to um, to be held again. So I'm okay with this, really okay with it. Thank you so much, Mum. That phone call started out really awkwardly, but by the end of it, I am feeling quite full of pride. Something that came up in that conversation was illness, which can obviously have a big effect on a couple's intimacy, though not always in the ways you might expect. This next couple, we're going to call them Joe and Tony, know all about this. They've been together for 35 years and have a couple of children in their 20s, and five years ago, Joe was diagnosed with breast cancer. I visited them at their home to hear what happened to their relationship when cancer came on the scene. Women, particularly around breast cancer, because, you know, your breasts are so important as an intimate part of your body, and they are seriously connected to the physical act of having sex. You know, you, when you lose your nipples, you lose the option of feeling that physical sensation and also you know you're losing your breasts you've had them all your life and they might have been useful when you were breastfeeding babies perhaps they might have been really useful to attract guys when you know you thought that you were very very proud of your breasts and so I think women think that if they lose them then they're losing a really important part of who they are but also what they're level of sort of sexuality, the sensuality, I guess, is. Definitely the physical sensation of being touched and um, being stimulated because you don't have a nipple anymore is, you know, that's that's a quite a loss. Anybody that has any kind of surgery, any kind of cancer, you have to go through a grieving process for a part of your body that you've lost or a part of your body that doesn't function properly anymore. And it's just, you know having a partner that understands that you're going through that grieving process and being able to talk about that. So in terms of physical intimacy now and where you'd like to be with each other, are you are you where you would like to be? Um, that's a question we asked ourselves the other day, isn't it? It's like we've got to a point now where we literally very rarely have sex, have physical intimacy anymore. And we're like, are we comfortable with this? We asked ourselves, are we okay with this? Because we've sort of... And and actually, I have to say, I I think we are. Yeah, Um, we kind of are. We're just happy. I think over time, we've, because of physical restrictions, because of health issues and because of various other stresses of modern life, being able to just 
cuddle up to the person that you love and have trust and respect for each other and have intimate moments that don't actually necessarily require the physical act of sex is so positive and to not feel guilty that you're you've given that up at first it was like oh maybe I should be feeling bad about this maybe I maybe I need to be hardening up and go it's okay well let's just have sex and I'll just put you know I'll put up with the pain or I'll put up with the discomfort what you know which so many people do throughout their lives because they think they sh- it's something they need to do because it's they think that's part of everybody's normal natural life and if you're not having sex with somebody then there's something wrong with you mm. but I'm here to say that it's just not the case it's just not the case you certainly talk more um, you share more I do believe that some people at our age you know they see the be and end all of their relationship is is around that that period of time in bed at night when or whenever when it's a physical act and that's it It's not a release valve for everything else in your life. I mean, I don't know. A sex therapist would probably say, oh my God, what do you mean? You're hardly ever having sex. Are you kidding? Like that, surely is that okay for you? But you're right. That was the question to ask. Are you in a comfortable place? And I think we've both found that comfortable place. It could well change. As we move further and further away from a critical health event, we're fine, I think. I feel happy. Are you happy? Um, I'm very happy. I will not put myself in a situation where I expect, demand or require sex with my partner, my friend, and it's not reciprocal. It is absolutely rude and misguided for me to think that I have a right to have sex whenever it suits me. I think that's that's absolutely false. I think probably as we get healthier and as our bodies settle in or we go past the fear of maybe recurrence of particularly with cancer maybe as you go past that and as you get healthier and I would say probably only in the last 12 months I've felt the healthiest that Mm. I've been for many years the the habit that we've sort of got into over the last few years while I've been unwell will probably change and you know I I can sort of think back to maybe in our 40s was probably the decade when you have amazing sex because you've figured out what both both partners need Mm. you know in your 20s and 30s you do a lot of fumbling around and a lot of figuring it out with your partner as to what works for both of you I actually think because we've had such a great period now a bit of a hiatus really where we've both figured out how to be intimate with each other and support each other in a different way without physical sex I think our physical sex will probably be great in the future. I've just got to remember what it's all about. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure the bits are still working. Make sure those bits are still working. I hope they're still working. Is there anything that you haven't had an opportunity to say or any final advice for people who might find themselves in a similar position? As far as I'm concerned, any relationship, if you go through a massive health event, if you can communicate, you've got it solved, really. Holding on to stuff is what gives people cancer in the first place. So please don't do that anymore. Look after yourself and look after your emotional needs by communicating those. And if you can't understand your own emotional needs, then you certainly can't relate to your partner or your friends or your lover's needs. And it's not always easy. For a male, it's it can be bloody hard. Certainly the, the males of my age that I see and work with on a daily basis some really struggle with their home life they struggle with their partners and their wives they actually struggle being friends and being good mates there is something that is between them 
and you know I, I feel quite sad about that. If there was one piece of advice that uh, I'd give to them if they asked me is figure out who you are and what's important and often it will mean that um, there's a wee bit more sharing and caring and just some things are not as important as society and the media and the entertainment industry make them out to be. Thank you so much, Joe, for opening up, and Tony. It is so good to hear men sharing their feelings like that. Later on, we're going to hear more about the ways illness affects intimacy and just sex as we get older in general from psychologist and sex therapist Edith Horvath. But before that, I mentioned at the start that when it comes to pop culture, we don't hear a lot about sex beyond your 30s. But we've all heard the story of the couple who've been together for years and years and who want to spice things up. I went down to Peaches and Cream to talk with Dan about the kinds of things that couples seek out from sex shops, although they're not called sex shops anymore. They're called adult lifestyle stores. And I've got to say they do feel a lot different to the last time I visited one of these places. There's no curtains or dark corners. It kind of feels more like a chemist. So a couple that's around that age group that's looking to spice up their sex life, how do you go about figuring out what's going to work for them? So you kind of show them what a sex toy used to be because we've got some of the older style stuff. Can you show me? I can show you. We don't have the vintage stuff. I would love to have a vintage vibrator. They look awful. So this is kind of your basic older style rabbit vibrator. So you've got rotating beads in the shaft and a vibrating clitoral stimulator that is in the shape of a rabbit. So that's what most people expect a vibrator to be. Do you sell many of them? Are they here for that or just for you to do this little talk? We do sell a few of them because there's a lot of ladies that have had these, love them, and don't want to try something different because this does the job. Okay, show me what a, um, sorry, did you call it a sex toy? No, you probably didn't. Yeah, they are Oh, you did? Okay, cool. We can say sex in here still. Yeah, you can still say sex in here. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're about. Okay, show me what a vibrator looks more like these days. So, they look more... Futuristic? Futuristic, almost. The more, most popular material is the silicon. So silicon is non-porous. So it's not going to harbour any bacteria like a jelly or a latex can. Yeah, that seems important. Also, I have not met anyone in the 10 years I've been doing this that has an allergy to silicon. Silicon's great because it's softer, non-porous, um, and so it's going to last a lot longer. But they've yeah. also started making rechargeable. So they have a lot more power. So you've got your standard shaft that either will have rotating beads or a vibrating motor in it, and then the clitoral stimulator. But Evolved, one of the better companies we deal with, have brought out a new vibrator. So Mm. it vibrates in the shaft, and the clitoral stimulator sucks. So... Oh my gosh! So if you put your finger over there, you can feel it really sucking. <laughs> so, yeah, they're a lot quieter than the older ones as well. So I imagine that's an age-old concern is who's hearing me through the walls. That's right. And we've got uh, a product called a flashlight. So it looks like a, a torch. Yes. Flashlight. With a vaginal opening and a textured sleeve through it. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, that has been the number one selling male sex toys for a number of years. And are there the same but for gay men? Through the fleshlight range, there's the fleshlight girls, and these are moulded from the porn star's anatomy. And then you've got the flesh jacks, which is aimed for the gay market, so they are bums. 
Do you deal with quite a few people who have obviously seen Fifty Shades of Grey and are hoping to kind of replicate a little what they've seen? Or around the time that it released, did you notice an increase? When it released, we started getting the partners or husbands coming in to buy the thing out of the book. There's not as many people getting into the whole BDSM side of things, Mm. but are open to trying new things. So Fifty Shades of Grey and Sex in the City have been really good for normalising sex toys and talking about fantasy. So there's the official Fifty Shades of Grey range. Um, You've got a range of like small little finger vibrators, anal beads, prostate massages, vibrating nipple clamps. Um, And then you've got kits that have got rope, paddles, blindfolds, cuffs. So low-key, entry-level BDSM. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So if there is something you want to try, you can come in and it's not going to be really, really expensive. So if it's something that you're actually not into, you haven't wasted a lot of money on it. So when people come in and they seem like they're quite entry-level and they're asking about these kinds of products, do you talk with them about consent and setting those boundaries beforehand? Absolutely. Uh, consent and boundaries need to be put in place well before any play happens, just mm. so everyone knows what's going on. And I would recommend writing everything down. Um, I've got, we've got some kits that have got a few bits and pieces oh, in Oh, cool. Them. You had a sub, sub-dom contract. And there's a contract in it, yes. Oh, that's great. There's a whole booklet there. So there is a whole booklet. And the lover's contract, so what the rules are, um, the roles for the dominant and the submissive. Safe, safe word. words. Mm. So you need a safe word that's got absolutely nothing to relate to what's going on because there will be at points where it's like, no, 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 but you're actually enjoying it. So you need something to make it completely stop. So like you, eggplant. Eggplant. Yeah. Oh, that's actually that's, loaded yeah, yeah. now. That, that's it? way too loaded. <laughs> <laughs> it's like banana, you can't use that either. Is there anything we haven't covered for that kind of age group broadly that you think is relevant? Uh, lube. Lube's really important. I mean, every sex therapist I talk to talks about lube. Young, right. old, yep. everyone. So we have got quite a good range of lubes in here. And also, if you have got toys, we... Strongly recommend an antibacterial toy cleaner. Foaming or misting, I personally prefer the foaming one because with the foamy action, it's going to get into any grooves and creases and will help prolong the life of your toys. That's not what a masturbator refresher is. No, so the masturbator refresher is for the flashlights and the men's toys. Oh, yeah, cool. I thought it was like a magic, like, oh, I've had an orgasm, but I want to go again, so I'm going to use my masturbator refresher. (laughs) No, no, we've got pills for that. (laughs) And sprays. Okay. Oh, thanks, Dan. It was great. It's time to check in with our expert. My name is Edith Horvath. I'm a sex therapist and I'm a psychologist. I'm Hungarian. That's the funny accent and the weird name. (laughs) Edith's clients are young and old and come in for a whole bunch of reasons. So I started by asking her to narrow it down to the things that people in their 50s and 60s come to see her about. A number of people in their 50s change partners, either because they divorced or their partner uh, died. And they feel quite rattled because, of course, the last time they looked for a partner, it was a completely different world 30, 40 years ago. So we talk about uh, using uh, apps like Tinder, etc., how to make dates on the internet, how to keep their uh, family safe, because when you're in your 50s, you might have children, grandchildren, so you want to make sure that you don't expose them to weirdos, potentially, as well as 
people talk about their psychological and physical issues. Sometimes people come to me and say, I want to make love to my partner, but my knees hurt. (laughs) So it doesn't necessarily um, be something to do with their penis or vagina. It can be physical pain of their elbows, and they just want to have some guidance around what else they could do so it's more comfortable and not painful Mm. in a way that they can't enjoy their sex. And the other respect, you know, women in their 50s going through menopause, they are dealing with hot flushes. So when you are feeling sweaty and just not very nice, you don't think about sex. You don't think about yourself as a goddess. So how to deal with that, what sort of uh, natural way you could cope with that. And how partners need to learn about this, because in the middle of the night, women wake up sweating. Um, the partner will either be snoring or, or thinking, oh, my God, what's wrong with her? But it's a natural process. Mm. Uh, and we don't really talk enough about this time of women's lives when it is actually not that easy to cope with potential uh, emotional ups and downs. It's very similar to when girls go through puberty. They don't know what's going on. They just feel extremely emotional. I imagine there's a lot of variation in terms of how long that lasts. (laughs) How long is a piece of string? No. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard because uh, it can be uh, a few weeks, could be a few months, and it could be a few years. Wow. The best thing is to keep the intimacy, the sexual act going. Of course, not force it. Of course, don't do anything uh, you don't want to do. But keep the touch going. Keep the, the sexual repertoire open and maybe change it a little bit so it's a little bit more intriguing, a little bit more interesting and learning new tricks. And that could be really basic, like have a first date with your long-term partner, dress up and meet somewhere and act that you don't know each other. And that could really spice things up without doing anything too weird or, or crazy. Now that you've brought up the idea of spicing up a sex life, what kinds of things do you suggest or do people often take an interest in or come to you about how to go forward with? My first advice to couples or individuals to learn a little bit more about your body. Start exploring your body and your partner's body and find new ways to pleasure yourself and pleasure your partner. Because as we age, our zones where we feel more sensitive can change quite dramatically. The other part is using lubricants, and that could be using a good massage oil just to make sure that you get into that soft, relaxed space where you can allow that joy, allow that pleasure to come back into life. I imagine a major issue for men as they age is erectile dysfunction and those kinds of things. Is that, is that right? As men age, their erections will change. Um, they might not have as strong, long erection as they had when they were younger. However, you know, you can't say that when you're 50, you're going to drop down to 20% or whatever. Mm. It depends on physical health very much. And it, it depends on the, the individual's um, genetic heritage. The important thing is that um, sex should not be all around erection. 
We should not expect men to have an erection anytime, anywhere, as long as they believe that they should have. So it, it is one of those things that we need to work with what we have and keep that stimulation going so there is no loss of sensation. One thing we've covered quite a bit in this episode is intimacy after illness, which is something I know that you deal with a lot in your practice. So what kinds of things do you find yourself offering counsel for? Women with breast cancer can go through early menopause. Interestingly, what people don't know, uh, people with prostate cancer get hormone therapy. Therefore, they go through very similar effects than menopause. So men get hot flushes. They become really emotional, teary. So they need some education and help around how to deal with that. What kinds of practical tips do you give to people who are struggling with that? Well, it depends on what the issue yeah. is. So um, let's look at breast cancer and the treatment involved with breast cancer first. Right. There are a number of issues around um, body image. So I work with people who had double mastectomies, for example, and they don't want to see their own bodies. They don't want their partners to see their bodies because they feel they don't look the same as well as or maybe uh, they have pain or residual pain, so it it can be really not physical pain, but they imagine that in the space where they had um, either radiation or surgery, they have pain there, and or their partners uh, become so sensitised to their illness that they don't want to touch them. Mm. So there are assistance around how to dress, so drape, have some really lovely lingerie, and or sensation exercises so don't touch the area or start with very light touch and build up to more sensual touch. This all feels like things that people just would not consider until they were in that situation. That's correct. And and I have that issue with people who are considering surgery around prostate cancer, a lot of them don't hear or don't know about the the real and true effects of the treatment. And of course, you know, you want to save life, but what it means for their everyday life, not always fully explained to them. A lot of people struggle with erectile dysfunction, And again, some of the uh, advice we give is to keep intimacy flowing. The old adage, you know, use it or lose it, is very relevant for both prostate cancer and breast cancer sufferers as well, because a lot of individuals who are going through major illness, a lot of their touch, what they receive, are clinical So the nurses, the doctors, uh, even the carers touch them in a very clinical way rather than in a loving, intimate, soft, passionate way. When it comes to those, the kind of erectile dysfunction issues that you just highlighted with prostate cancer and the treatment that follows, does that always sort itself out or not no, always? Yeah. No, there are individuals who's got very severe surgery, therefore the nerves are cut through so it's never going to be a, a full erection or erection full stop. But that's where this idea of sex equals penis in the vagina and there's an orgasm 
for one or both, hopefully, and and that's that, Mm. uh, need to be sort of diminished. So what I try to work on with couples and or individuals to open their minds up around other ways and those ways could be fulfilling and and useful and and providing closeness to a couple because all sex is about feeling close acknowledged loved by another person that's it for this episode of bang Don't forget we're going to have an expert live on nights just after 8.30 on Wednesday, September the 6th. So send your question through if you have one. You can also email bang at radionz.co.nz with a question or any other feedback. Thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe by going to iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're really easy to find on the new RNZ app, which you can download for free from the App Store. Bang was produced by me, Melody Thomas, with special assistance from Marcus Stickley. It was engineered by William Saunders and the executive producer is Tim Watkin. Next time in the final episode for this season of Bang, we talk sex and policy in rest homes. Older couples share intimate details about their relationships. Yeah, we just turn each other on. And we look to the future of sex.